Hello and welcome to episode 222 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for the casual spike. Full-time spoiler pod. That's, that's all you get to make nowadays in the Magic community. My name is Stanislav here in Manchester with me on the line from Denver, Colorado. It's the one and only Shane Beeps. Shane. Stanislav. You're back. I'm back, my friend. It's just, it's just me and you. Just the two of us. We can make this podcast without David or Devin. We don't need him. You know, I'm back. I was, uh, I was on vacation last week. It ruled. I was, I was in the Magic Kingdom. It's a legendary artifact. Legendary land, really. And you know what? Disney, get at us. Sponsor this podcast. <laughs> because I enjoyed it. We'll make Lorcana content. Would we? <laughs> yeah. Let's do we that would. little why, slide. Let's why not? Who publishes Lorcana? How do we get at them? I think it's actually a German publisher, I think. Oh, no. I, I knew this for a minute because I, w- I wrote about Lorcana for Polygon, but now I don't remember. So it's a German publisher. German developer? Uh, Raven Ravensburger. Oh, okay. It sounds German. I think that's why in my head it was like, I think they're the Germans. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're from Ravensburg, Germany. There we go. Oh, well, it's not just a clever name. So, yeah, I was, I'm back. Uh, Stanislav, you've ever, have you ever been to Disney? So, I've been inside Disney World as, a, as like a child when I was in second grade. And then as an adult, when I was working in the music industry, when we first met, and I would have to go to Anaheim. Uh, every year for like a a big convention of music merchants to to sell gear to aging musicians it it was it was in Anaheim so i would like visit disneyland to go to dinner basically oh that's sweet so you can sit when you when you sold high end in in ear monitors you considered that working in the music industry i just want to be clear here i mean all of my clients were musicians well then i guess that counts yeah, yeah. that counts for sure you're, you're basically a producer. You're David Geffen. I, I, I consider myself more of a Steve Albini type. <laughs> Stan? Shane. We, ha- we, have, we have a somewhat tight timeline. That's right. But it, it is just me and you. That's but true, true. We have, a, we have a ticking time bomb of the, of the end of this episode. But thankfully, there's no big like modern tournaments that are going on. The, the PT was standard. Or is standard. I think it's still going on, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, no SCGs, no NRGs, nothing that I think we had to... You guys had a really nice breakdown of the metagame last week. So we're going to just do just cut straight to the point and just have like a nice dive down this week. Tell us what we're doing this week because I already forgot. Sure, yeah. On this week's show, we are somehow already talking about new spoilers yet again from two different sets, sort of. Just weeks since our last spoiler episode from... The previous set, which is arguably the current set, because as of now, we officially have seen through official sources and channels the entire 50 card set that is called March of the Machine Aftermath. (laughs) Aftermath. Aftermath. So we're going to talk about that. We're just going to highlight some of the cards that we think are interesting or even maybe playable. This is the only episode, the only spoiler episode we'll do on on Aftermath. I mean, Sassov, I'm highlighting literally every March of the Machine aftermath card i think's interesting or potentially playable i don't know about i'm not leaving any on the cutting room floor on this one because i think i, I only have like seven or eight i don't know about you yeah it was pretty slim pickings and for that reason i think we're also going to have time to chat a little bit about some of the new details that have emerged out of the lord of the ring set oh yeah we now know what it means when the ring tempts you shane oh yeah i mean i'm i'm tempted by 
this weird new dungeon thing. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about this with you because I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting. At least as long as I don't, when I right click in Magic the Gathering online and it says like observe state of dungeons, I don't think it's going to say observe state of the ring, thankfully. Mm. We'll find out. And then finally, time permitting, we might even do a wee cheeky wind down. Ooh, cheeky. And if not, we'll just cut this tease altogether. So I guess if you're hearing it, we are doing a wind down. Or perhaps our editor forgot to cut this tease. And then I didn't catch it in like the final edit run through thing. Right. So as is the case in life and love, nothing is truly certain. But we march on with the machine. First, let's housekeep. Shout out to new patron to join the Dive Down Nation. We got Jackson B in the house. Jackson B. Thanks, Jackson. You the beast. If you'd like to support our show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the dive down. I have been, like Dave mentioned last week, I have been packing boxes of our fresh, fresh swag. We got fresh tokens. We got fresh stickers. We got fresh pins. Dave even kind of like upped the, the the color game, I think, in the, in the pins and stickers. It's got a little bit of a different tone. I think it's, it's really rad. Uh, so those are being made and those we have a big backlog to get to because you ran out of tokens, you ran out of pins and things like that. So we have a lot of work to do. And we know that some of you haven't got your stuff for a while, but if you want to support us, you can get things like sticker sheets. You can get things like seven different, you know, magic related and dive down related pins. You can get the deck boxes that we have hundreds and hundreds of in our basements because you can only get a thousand at a time. Was it 2000 or 1000? I thought it It was was like 4,000. It was $4,000, maybe. You get access to the episode early. You get a a play mat at certain tiers. So there's a lot of benefits for joining the Patreon. So like Stan said, patreon.com slash the dive down helps keep us uh, financed for all the various subscriptions and editors and things we have got to pay for. So we appreciate all your support out there. Yeah. You can also support us through our merch store over at the divedown.com slash store, or just go to the divedown.com. You'll find store in the banner. It works like every other website on the internet that you've been to in the last few years. If you'd like to support us while playing Magic the Gathering, check out Mana Traders to rent Magic Online cards. If you sign up with promo code THEDIVEDOWN2023, you'll get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. You can also support us through our friends at Barrister and Man for some shaving soaps, fragrances, and more using the same promo code THEDIVEDOWN2023 gets you... 15% 15% off your first order from BM. And then finally, support yourself with a discount on magic trading cards, physical cards, not digital cards, real cards, cardboard cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming. Love cardboard cards. Use promo code DIVE8 at NRG to get 8% off your order with them. That's all the housekeeping for today. Let's jump into it. The march of the machine has come to a grinding halt. It The war is over. We won, but at what cost? And the aftermath is upon us. Yeah, Stan. Shane. This is a weird set. It is weird. It's. It feels... It feels like a cash grab. <laughs> There's. I have to admit, it's... What is it? So it's like, it's a 50-card set. Yeah. There's 15 uncommons, 25 rares, 10 mythic rares. So... 50 cards in total. The, right? the fact that there's no commons is so funny. Like it just goes, <laughs> just goes to, like the, the uncommons are the commons. And 
like all 50 cards have like these like booster fun versions, which are like what, like alt art, alt printings. There's all the rares and mythic rares have extended art versions that are only in collectors boosters. It's like somewhat cheaper than a normal set box, but you get a lot fewer cards. Like it's like a box of 24 five card packs. It's like 83 bucks on Amazon right now. Like, I mean, I think that's like 175,000 great British pounds. So I'm not into it. No, no, thank you on the cost of these cards, but I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about this? Let's, let's just, let's, let's have some hot takes about like these, this, what is it called? Like a, a supplement set, I supplement guess. Supplement set. Uh, like they're, ca- they're calling it like a, it a, is standard legal. So this is, this, the, these could see play in pioneer and modern too. Yeah. And, and legacy and commander. Yeah. So, um, it's odd because like you could you could say double feature was also sort of a cash grab. Remember last year when they released a set that was just the last two sets combined with zero curation, but the cards were now black and white. Yeah, I mean that was that was just like a you know if you wanted to buy it you could it just sort of shoving more into circulation. But these are like cards that you might want to play. Right. I think it's weird that like this is not a draftable set. So unless there is like a mom, mom aftermath draft format or some way to incorporate these into a limited environment, like that, maybe that's interesting. It just makes me wonder like, what were these designed for? Were they strictly designed for constructed play? If so, like you would think that maybe they would be a bit more pushed. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is like they, not only do they not feel super pushed it's like you you don't get a lot of there's not a lot of cards and they don't feel super pushed like long story short right and i think i think there are some commandery cards in here that we won't be talking about of course right like that's just kind of the the thing that goes drives a lot of the sales of these sets these days but you know not to compare it i don't like comparing this game to flesh and blood and i'm not super engaged with flesh and blood as i used to be but the supplemental sets that are undraftable for fab uh, I have like, I think they're like 10 cards instead of 15 per set, I mean, excuse me, per uh, booster pack. So going from 10 to five, just on the terms of pure cardboard you're getting, I'm like, why am I unwrapping this foily cellophane stuff around five cards, including one, the sixth one is a, an ad or, you know, token card, by the way. Yeah. So you're not, that feels like a kick in the butt to me. It's just like, here's your five pieces of precious magic cardboard and, and one potential ad card. Yeah. It, it's almost like the paper version of alchemy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they have to like actually operate within paper physics. Unlike alchemy cards. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. They have to get distributed somehow. I mean, I feel like these should just be like packs you get for, you know, what would be cool for stuff like this, Dan is like, this is the kind of stuff that LGS is get. And you have to either a- attend some kind of event or yeah. it's like, you know, and not, and not even paying for anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's like you go to the store for like some kind of like store expo and they have them as like handouts or something like that, like just to encourage people to be getting to like an LGS or, you know, a t- uh, playing something online if they're not really close to an LGS or just some way to use like this like five card booster as something fun yeah. instead of as like a commercial product. And I know it's kind of a ridiculous ask, but that's the kind of stuff I would prefer to see for things like this. We'll see what happens. I mean, if if they're a success, good, I guess. 
think. I mean, <laughs> if, if people buy them a lot, they're just going to keep doing this, and eventually we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna see a situation. I think where one of the cards will be really good, and it'll be a hundred dollars because you it'll be like shielded levels of playable. Yeah, I mean, let's talk thematically about this because we should get into the cards. So I guess what this like follows the the cataclysmic effects of invasion across planes and their defenders. I'm just reading the copy from Watsi. So now the planes are connected in like weird ways. All these heroes are celebrating and mourning. I guess stuff happened. Planeswalkers have lost their spark. They've lost the power to step between planes. So we have like a lot of planeswalkers who are now just creatures. And so all of these stories and beginning of like new stories is like all beginning on May 12th, which is the day after this episode drops. And that's when Aftermath hits the shelves. And so you can go prepared into your booster box opening or your single purchasing with our perfect, perfect takes on our picks to click from Aftermath. And Stanislav, Shane. I think we're going to go in Wooburg order. And I believe you had the the first card here. Yeah, this is the only white card that jumped out to us. And that's Copper Coat Vanguard. One and a white for a human soldier. It's a 2-2. Each other human you control gets plus one, plus zero, and has ward one. So humans, playable deck across formats. Like, you got to almost pay attention to every two-drop human, especially one that is good for your other creatures. Ward one is interesting because it's almost doing like a Thalia impression here. It doesn't have yeah. first strike, but it protects your board in a way that like Thalia sort of does too. It just it just makes me wonder if there are certain situations where this could actually even be better than Thalia. Well, it's funny is when you put uh, Thalia in the notes last night and I looked, I thought you were actually referring to Thalia's lieutenant. Because no. I was like because I was like, you know, each other human you control gets plus one plus zero. Oh. So it's it's not adding the defensive counter. It's just adding the offensive power of like a Thalia's tenant hitting the board. So it has like a Lord-like effect, but it also has a protection-like effect in Ward 1. And I kind of overlooked this card. I didn't overlook it. I, I, you know, there's not many cards to overlook. I specifically didn't put it on my list because I was like, this doesn't seem powerful enough. But then I was reminded that Fury exists. Mm. And so this taxing uh, Fury really heavily, you know, is, is, I think is pretty good. I think that's what would make it potentially playable and potentially give humans uh, an ability to survive, survive in the current modern metagame. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's like, not just Fury, like, I think it's also defensible against Ren and Six. It makes it harder for Ren and Six decks to just minus one and ping off humans that way too. Oh, for sure. Like they essentially have to wait to turn three. Yeah. So it gives you, it gives you the ability to, you know, play stuff to the board and not immediately have it get eaten alive by, you know, various pingers or small removal spells or things like stomp potentially in pioneer or, you know, shock like effects. I think that's just something that it really does allow some early protection and also allows you to get aggressive. And my only issue is like, unlike a Thalia's Lieutenant is it's not building, it's not actually physically building your board. Like when Copper Coat Vanguard dies, all your humans don't keep that plus one, plus one counter, right? And that's kind of the loss here is like, it's like losing a Lord that's not even giving you defensive power across your board. And we know how important that is in things like spirits and things like, you know, other uh, humans decks that have given the Lord like effect and, 
you know, merfolk, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that is potential risk, but I, I do see some playability here. All right, let's jump to our only blue card. Yeah. Which is one that we actually had overlap on. I was going to put this card down too, and then you beat me to it. All right. It's a Vesuvian Drifter, two and a blue for a 2-4 flying shapeshifter creature. It reads, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. And at the beginning of each combat, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you reveal a creature card this way, Vesuvian Drifter becomes a copy of that card until the end of the turn, except it has flying. So... This card rules. Here, yeah, this, I mean, this, this card rules. I like you, this card. If you can control what's on the top of your deck. Right? Okay. And I think in modern, there are probably ways I'm overlooking, but we don't have a ton of great ways to control the top of our deck. Like, we don't have Brainstorm. Uh, we we do have things like Jace the Mind Sculptor, which, you know, of course, costs four and has to stay on the board. Yeah. It lets but... you do, you know, lets you control the top of your deck over and over and over again. But at that point... What are yeah. you really doing? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think this wants to be in a deck full of Jaces. Right? This <laughs> no. wants to be in a deck full of creatures, I would assume. Well, I think it wants to be in a deck full of a few really good creatures, right? Yeah. Because, and they have to have abilities like on attack or static abilities or things like that. You know what I mean? Like, because you don't get ETBs, which is like the big reason that a lot of creatures these days are seeing play. So you'd have to be able to get some really good advantage of the payoff of controlling the top of your deck. But then you're also drawing that card the next turn, unless you have some way to keep it on top of your deck. Yeah. So, I I mean, here's my take and why I actually really like this card. I think that for this card to be good, you have to win when you see the right card at the top of your deck. And although it doesn't get the ETBs, like I think there's two like applications that jump out to me for one is this is just extra copies of goblin snoop yes it's in blue but as a shapeshifter it is a goblin if it can get in through aether vial or if you could like find a way to just generate blue mana in the goblin's deck do they play they play four cavern of souls so that makes the cut um and they play fetch land so you can just like put in a blue source and you're probably okay so I like that about this, but unlike Goblin Snoop, this doesn't have to be in a Goblin stack. So imagine if you have this on the board and you see an Emrakul on the top of your library or like some other powerful Adrazi that has like a killer attack trigger. That that was the part that kind of stuck out to me is like one swing from Emrakul is really all you need because I think then you can also um, like annihilate them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You get like annihilator triggers. You get stuff like that. So like you're basically saying like, hey, this could be like more conspicuous snoops for me. Yeah, conspicuous snoops that don't even have to go into goblin decks. Yeah, and and yeah. like in the goblin deck, like you know, this is just doing everything Snoop does for one more mana. I think Snoop is still probably better, right? Because cons- conspicuous. <laughs> conspicuous Snoop also lets you cast goblins from the top of your library. Yes. But this will still, however, have that one-two punch with Boggart Harbinger. Yeah, I think I think this card is not going to be like a constructed powerhouse, but I do think people are going to try to build around it, try to have fun with it, make something happen with it. I think maybe in, you know, it might be the kind of like a, a sneak and showy type thing in Legacy where it sort of adds to that power because you have better ways to control the top of your deck for more reasonable costs, like, with, like I said, with Brainstorm. So I think that, 
it might not be enough for modern besides like, you know, fun and games, which is what this game actually is. So go for it. <laughs> fun in my card game? In my competitive card game? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think this one is sneaky. One worth keeping an eye on. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it does something novel and novelty is what you want to look at. All right. We only have one black card, too. This is a cool we, one. That we liked. And this was this one was on the bubble for me, but you actually wrote it down. Ayara's Oathsworn, one in the black for a human knight, 2-2 two, two with menace. Whenever Ayara's Oathsworn deals combat damage to a player, if it has fewer than four plus one plus one counters on it, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then if it has exactly four plus one plus one counters on it, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Ooh. So yeah, um, I think this is an interesting card. It sort of has like a suspend-like effect, like Profane Tutor, while still being a creature. Like it still has to, you know, it has to be the creature. It has to gain counters. I get it. But like it has the menace effect that helps with the attacking. You know, this synergizes with other human counter effects, no problem. But the thing that it has to do is it has to hit. Mm. And it has to hit while having exactly three or four counters on it to trigger. Because like if it has three, it'll get the fourth. And then it'll go off. And if it already has four, it won't get the other another counter, and then it will trigger as well. So this kind of snowballs as a cheap menace attacker getting damage in, and then it also tutors up a card from your deck at a perfectly like fine rate for a two-two for two uh, human knight, you know, in an Orzov style humans deck somewhere. I think this has some play because what's cool about it is like if you're doing the counter thing. Like you're going to be doing in a you know Orzov humans deck in the first place, is you might just be able to get this thing up to like a three three or four four before it's even attacking in in the first place, mm-hmm. just with counter gain, and then you have like oh man this is like my my four four menace for two, and that's like pretty sweet. Like that's not easy to deal with early, but your uh, your opponent's going to be very incentivized to block it which might allow you to keep your other more powerful cards on the board for a while, like your, you know, the three fours with vigilance that are creating tokens, you know, every time and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's really stressing your opponent out in a, in a few different ways. And like, it's making them have to worry about more than a few uh, haymakers in a human's deck, because I think if this thing sticks around for a while, there's a, there's, there's an, a lot of options, I think for just a few one-offs, especially in sideboard games. Where you're like, hey, I'm going to tutor up a protection spell against control or something like that. Or I'm going to tutor up a really important lord or a really important creature or like a tech creature or something like that. So I can see a lot of applications here. Well, I can see uh, I can see a lot of things that I could get in very specific Orzhov style humans decks. Yeah. Yeah. And may- maybe it's worth mentioning like the counter support that we're imagining here. I'm assuming you're referring to l- cards like Luminarch Aspirant, which gives a target creature a plus one plus one counter at the beginning of every combat. And then Thalia's Lieutenant is, I think, probably the best one because that just gives a one one counter on each human you control when it ETBs. Exactly. I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to to build this up. And, you know, I, I, I could be I could be overestimating how easy it is to get tokens on these style of creature decks because yeah like you know really humans is more of a kind of a go wide deck you're not going as tall as you are in modern humans i think as frequently as, as you were with modern humans but i can see the possibilities here yeah i dig it i like th- the fact that it's a two drop i think that's that's the exact right mana cost 
humans getting a lot of love here. I think it's getting to the point where humans is getting hard to build because you just have like so many playables to choose from like that don't even have to cost more than two mana. Yeah, that's always the the, the, the stress, right? Is like what cards, and we have another one later on in this episode, spoilers, that uh, is another human for huh. two mana and has oh. certain, you know, certain tech applications. So, you know, yeah. I think this is just a kind of an interesting effect where it's like, this is doing potentially a lot, but not asking you a lot by putting it in your deck. Right. And like, so like, you know, for me, I was like a pretty decent floor. This is a perfectly fine floor, uh, especially in like a, a low to the ground humans deck where this is going to be able to grow pretty quickly, I think. And like I said, it, it kind of puts some pressure on your opponent that you want to be putting on them. So, all right, moving along, we have two green cards the first one Shane put on the list, <laughs> not Stan. Oh, you're going to make me talk about this? All right. It's a Nissa Resurgent Animus 2 and a green legendary elf scout 3-3. Three, three. This is our uh, no longer planeswalker Nissa. So does this is this like permanent? Like there's no longer going to be a Nissa planeswalker until she regains her spark or something? Is this like, this is canon? Yeah, you're not even allowed to play the old Nissa Planeswalker cards. They're all insta-banned. Oh, oh man, they're just cut, cut up, rip them in half or send them to me. <laughs> so this uh, Nissa reads landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield in your control, add one mana of any color. So that's what a Lotus Copra effect, correct? Nice. Then if this is if this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, reveal cards on the top of your library until you reveal an elf or elemental card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So I don't know if this does anything, but it does cost $20 pre-order. Okay, so we can't let that, we can't judge cards based on their pre-order price because I yes, think we can. the distribution of it. Aftermath is messing with, with pre-order prices. <laughs> I'm doing I, it right I, now. I think. I mean, this is a cool effect, but it's also two in a green. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it, it, so L for elemental, right? So, and this is, it's not an elemental itself. So like, right. it's a, is it going to see play in like four color elementals decks? Uh, probably not. I mean, it it ramps you like in it with fetch lands. It's really good. So like you know, you play this on turn three uh, or turn four. You drop a fetch land. You it triggers once. You know, you drop another fetch land. I mean, excuse me. You crack the fetch, get another land. It triggers again. Then because it's like a second time, my abilities resolved. You then peel through your deck until you get another elemental card. So it's basically drawing you a creature rather than drawing you just a random card. So it's, I mean, that's something, but it's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can put this in an elf deck. I think that elemental clause there is is probably why this card might be good. Like, because it's, it's almost like a little baby Omnath, where it wants you to, like, play fetches and crack them on the same turn to just, like, accrue card advantage that way. Maybe this plus plus Omnath and, and Risen Wreath is like just yeah that's a way the thing. to churn through your deck crazy fast. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is it just like it sort of adds to that? But does the deck need that? I honestly don't know. Is the thing like I don't know if this deck is missing like this type of effect right now, like at the three spot. And people who are more into the deck are going to have to answer that question for me. I haven't, you know. Typically, what I do is I, I like to go through Reddit or other sources and just be like, "Hey, is anyone really talking about this card? Like, what are people noticing? Like, are they noticing things I'm not?" I didn't see a ton of you know, you know, Nissa threads with like 500 upvotes, like with uh, the community going going wild over Resurgent Animist. But I think it's something to keep an eye. 
eye on because again, I like every every set has lots of novel cards, but this one is a particularly it's not actually a super novel effect, but it combines a few powerful effects at a reasonable mana cost. Right on. All what right, do so- you have? You have you've got a card. Yeah, I got another green three drop. It's Tranquil, Frillback, two and a green for a three, three dinosaur. When it ETBs, you may pay green up to three times. When you pay this cost one or more times, choose up to that many instances of destroy target artifact or enchantment or exile target player's graveyard or you gain four life. So... A, I mean, I, I like that this is just like a flexible mana sink that gives you counterplay sure. against a variety of other strategies, like gaining life, dealing with potentially problematic permanence, exiling graveyards. Like, that's all good. If I understand the templating also, like, I think this means you can pay GG and gain eight life. I don't. That's what I was just going to ask you. I don't think that's the case. It says, yeah, when you choose up to that many, like I think once you choose, is the choice gone? Because I feel like if you could pay three, I guess, man, like is, is three green, 12 life? Like that seems like a lot. It seems like a lot of things that you could get out of one card, but we'll have to find out. I, I, th- I think if that works out this way, like I think this could just be like a really solid sideboard card that like lets you not have to diversify as many answers to opposing decks you know like in mono green devotion for instance like this gives you play against burn strategies this gives you play against phoenix or really any delve strategies as well as obviously the artifact grease fan combo so i don't know I, i think i think maybe there's there's something to the fact that this is just like giving you tons of options if as long as you have the mana and we have the mana to do it. The fact that it's three mana just to cast and then like four mana to get an effect on it, I think that's probably the only problem. But you can get this off of a Coco because it's an ETB yeah. and then like the trigger yes. goes on the stack even off of Coco's anyway. Yeah, that's that's important is one, I think that you don't have to cast it is really nice. I do know, I, I will note that you cannot choose the same mode multiple times because cards that allow you to do that always specify it. So you can only choose it. You can only choose each mode once which i think does take this down a little bit for me where it's like i can only destroy you know one target one naturalize effect one graveyard exile effect one life gain effect i feel like we've seen other cards like this that haven't really sniffed play like these kicker creatures where it's like hey like when this creature comes in you can pay a little bit more and get some effects but like you said i think the fact that you can do multiple things as a mana sink is pretty decent like i think the fact that you can coco into it is pretty good like you don't have to cast it you can aether vial into it if you're doing something really rogue uh you know, I don't think this is going to like break anything wide open, but I, I, I agree with you where I think it's going to see, you know, it, it's a sideboard option for certain types of decks and probably not like modern level, but maybe in something like, you know, like a pioneer green based creature deck, you could do a lot worse than this for sure. Cool. All right. Let's jump into multicolored cards. Gold this is where cards. Stuff gets interesting to me. This is where stuff oh, gets yeah. really interesting. Yeah. We have a lot. We have a lot of gold cards. Um, do we have more gold cards than monocolor cards? Yes, by a good amount. Okay, sweet. All right, let's start with one of the cards we've teased. Yeah. Jarena, Dauntless General, White and the Black, Legendary Human Soldier, 2 2. Another 2 2. 2 2 for 2. Human. Uh, whenever Jarena ETBs, exile target player's graveyard, you can also sacrifice her, and humans you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Generically strong, generically useful, Orzhov human sideboards probably 
good ETB, good sacrifice ability, it's going to see play at some point. Yeah. I, I like that you can play this and Kithian and Thalia, and I think you have an argument for Mox Amber. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's another legendary. That's really yeah. good. And it's yeah. white and black, so like you could get both white and black mana off your Amber. Exactly. I also think that this having the sacrifice ability in particular makes it actually like decent in multiples because it's solving yeah. like one of the deck's problems, which is like control strategies or even something like Phoenix, for example. Any, anything that has point removal, Rakdos, of course, like you can sack it, make sure nothing else is targetable if you have other important permanents, and then you just play more of them because you don't want to you really normally don't want to play multiple legends otherwise. And this has, has utility for that. So for sure, it, it almost seems like too obviously good. <laughs> you know, like this seems like worth, worth exploring on day one. It's not absurd. It's just good. And that's all you need. That's all you need for a, a two, two for two human these days. Yeah. All right. Next gold card. This one jumped out to me. And if I'm just going to like make a called shot, like I think this might be the strongest card in the set. Whoa. I, I really think this card is special. It's I might have Calyx, something. Calyx Guided by Fate. One green white for a legendary enchantment creature, human druid. It's got constellation when it or another enchantment ETBs under your control. Put a 1-1 counter on target creature. So you can put a creature on it or a counter on it. And then when Calyx or an enchanted creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may create a token that's a copy of a non-legendary enchantment you control, do this only once each turn. Yes. So there's this deck in Pioneer called Enigmatic <laughs> Fires. Yes, I've heard of it. It, ha it has threats, like Fate Spinner or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, I think this is like Cocoa Bananas in that deck, truly. Okay. That deck has removal, so it's really easy for this to connect. And it has just like a punch of powerful enchantments that do a variety of different things depending on like what you're building to or where you are in a game state and i think the flexibility and ability to copy other enchantments to either get you through your deck uh pop off with enigmatic fires make fable of the mirror breakers for like a ton of extra value yeah i, I just think it's like making free cardboard while still remaining on plan for that deck and potentially just like generating crazy amounts of value along the way. Yeah. I mean, the, the ceiling is good. Ceiling is incredible. My issue here is that I think the floor is pretty low. Like if it, if things aren't going the way that you want, then this doesn't do a lot for you. But now does like drawing, like let's say, you know, you, you draw the wrong enchantment in your deck or something like that. And you're also not doing a lot. So I think that this is a cool card. And like you said, I think it does something uh, novel and great, like and powerful. So I'm into it. I, I I do think that there's a very particular way you have to you want to build around this card. I think that another way to do this too is not not just enigmatic fires, but like an, a green white auras deck, right? Like you know, you just you start. It has the green white auras stuff going on. Like you target it. You know, you target something with an enchantment, and it gets a counter. And the enchantment's also probably doing stuff to make your creature bigger. It deals combat damage. You make an, you know, you double up 
you know, some kind of wild enchantment you have and turns your thing into like, you know, a 40-40 a beater, that's just going to be like, you know, ending the game, you know, fairly immediately. So I think there's, 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 there's a few options here and there. I don't know if that's kind of a win more situation where if you're already hitting with a, you know, a suited up Glade Cover Scott or something like that, you're already going to be winning. But I think that there's a few ways to play this card. I think it's doing something cool. At three mana, it's like slightly harder to imagine than like the Aura's deck. Yeah. I, I think that your your Fire's deck is likely more likely here. But yeah, it's cool. It's fun. And I think people are going to try to do stuff with it. All right. I've got a, a, a debatable one and I think a pretty cool one. Back to back, Stan. Uh, Narset, Enlightened Exile, one blue, red, white, Jeskai mana. Legendary Human Monk, three, four, Creatures you control have prowess, including Narset. And whenever Narset attacks, exile target non-creature, non-land card with mana value less than Narset's power from a graveyard and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Look, this is expensive. It will likely not seal, see legitimate play, but I wish it would. It's just it's just fun, right? It's like give everything prowess. Whenever she attacks in, you get to like do something cool, like you know, you exile like a spell or something like that with you know mana value less than her power and cast it. That triggers all of your uh creatures, giving them prowess. So like I mean, it's a finisher if you still have a board. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's gonna end the game pretty quickly. It's gonna give you some ability to uh, cast some spells like you know let's say you untap with this and you're like you know removal spell attack removal spell it triggers everything your opponent can't block because they have like no creatures left you have a lot of you know power on the even if you have like two or three creatures they're likely getting in like you know six seven eight ten damage you know 17 120 damage and then you know i I think it's interesting like i i think it's expensive for what you're getting if it was like three mana and a little bit less of a body like let's say like a two three for three that gave everything prowess and has ability that would be really cool but i think this is cool i think this is probably more like a commander card but i think it would be fun to do something with this and 60 card constructed yeah You, you brought up something that i hadn't considered actually which is that it kind of does a Dreadhorde Arcanist impersonation where you can like cast the same removal spell twice. I think that's actually a pretty big game that had been lost on me. The fact that it gives creatures you control prowess too, like this plus young pyromancer effects is kind of neat because it is, it's like this build your own monastery mentor. Exactly. Right. So maybe you just have them all in the deck I don't think that I don't think they end up with prowess prowess. That would oh, be probably they do. prowess stacks. Prowess stacks. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Double prowess. We we now have a card that does have prowess prowess, so like yeah, right? we know that a card can have prowess prowess. Whether or not in this case it stacks remains to be seen. That seems yeah, that seems unlikely. You can't get double trample, but I mean maybe prowess right. is different. I'm I'm not a judge. Yeah. But yeah, I promise we wouldn't talk about that too much. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's yeah. fun. This uh, is why you should be playing Commander, Shane. Like this. Honestly, is- you're, I was I was just talking. I was at a, a cookout with some of my wife's coworkers and stuff like that yesterday. Uh, and yum. One person. He, Did you bring your own mushrooms? 
No, we they had tofu barbecue. Oh, nice, nice. So the one of the things that I talked to somebody about was he plays mod. He and his son, who's like in his early twenties, plays like uh, modern and commander, of course. Mm-hmm. And he is also a rhino boy. Hey. And we were talking about. I was like, I need to build one commander deck. I was like, I gotta have one at least, because just because like it's it's just like everyone plays it. Yeah, a, a nice commander group can be fun. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, will it be Narset? I mean, potentially that'd be cool. Yeah. I doubt it for you. I doubt it, but yeah, prove I mean, prove there, me there wrong. Are, there are blue spells in there. Let's talk about the card I like. Yeah, Obnixilis, Captive Kingpin, two black red for a legendary creature demon. It has Flample, and it's a four three. Whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a 1-1 counter on Ob Nixilis Captive Kinkpin. Exile the top card of your library until your next end step. You may play that card. Hooey! That's a lot of good text. I agree. Four mana, four three flying trample. I think like that alone is like such a great floor. Good, yeah. good, good body. Good body. Yeah, totally fine. You're not, you're not excited to play it, but you're not, like, embarrassed. Each opponent losing exactly one life doesn't take a lot of work at all. <laughs> no. Have you heard of a little combination called Cat Oven? Meow? Meow. <laughs> Rakdos sacrifice players potentially rejoice? Like, I mean, you know, we've seen decks like that spread out into Jund, and one of the advantages of Jund is you get Corvold the what fake cursed king or something like that and that's like your big finisher this doesn't require you going into green so this is just a cool card it lets you close the game quickly it doesn't require you to like dirtle in your kind of just you know sacrificing stuff and getting little tiny triggers for a million turns like this really does close things down and like you said it's still doing something even if you had your pinging you know graveyard stuff get hosed earlier in the game so yeah you kind of have a backup plan totally i the we're probably not talking about this in modern but like the fact that it makes opponents fetch lands like a little awkward makes me wonder like is there a way for like scam to like play this post board against like a renin six deck yeah is, is that crazy i mean that that second sentence I was just making sure it was a second. Exile the top card of your library until your next end step. You may play that card. Like, yeah, dog. It, Whenever, it just keeps getting better. The more you spend time reading this card. Whenever one or more opponents lose exactly one life, it doesn't. it's not only once per turn. It's just like whenever they lose one life, you exile the top card of your library, my friend. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, this card is cool. You could combo this. Like, let's say you have some some ability to like just continually ping your opponent. You could You could exile the whole dang library. You know what I mean? And like get to a specific combo finisher. There's there's just a lot of interesting things you can do with this. And whether it's you know finishing your opponent off really quickly, digging through your deck, there's just a lot of cool stuff you can do. And I think it's quite good. All right. So this is sort of like in the spirit of your Narset pick of like a card that is like maybe it's not the most exciting, but there's something about it that speaks to me and I Want it to be good, and that's PNLR, Console of Revival. It costs two mana. Red, white, 
For a 2-3, legendary human artificer, Thopters you control have haste, and whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. I just want this card to be good. I don't know why. There's something about it. The fact that it lets you make a bunch of bodies for like finding ways to just cast things out of exile, which is not that hard. Like play things like Ren's Resolve and light up the stage. Play the three mana Chandra that ticks up or, or is it four mana Chandra or both of them play Obnixilis <laughs> Chandra Accolade of Flame no no that's not it you know what I'm talking about Chandra Dress to Kill yeah exile the top sure. card of your library if it's red you may cast it this turn it just seems like it has it asks you to do cool stuff I don't know if it's asking you to do powerful stuff and yeah. I'm fine being asked that question sometimes <laughs> yeah Shane we can do cool but not powerful stuff and then do like a like a sick roundhouse <laughs> My camera's rolling, Shane. Do it was, now. Was that cool? This is on YouTube. Um, yeah, th- I, I don't have like a strong impassioned plea. I'm, I don't feel the need to convince anyone. Maybe maybe this is the commander I want to make out of this set. But I feel like Thopters you control have haste has to do something. But like I didn't, I wasn't immediately shown some kind of like Thopter combo where it's like I made thirty five Thopters and they all had haste and so they swung in type thing. But yeah, so we do have like a similar card for magic origins it is a three drop um that gave thopters maybe it was all artifacts had haste oh yeah our artifact creatures you control have haste is the oh. three dropped that's called thopter engineer that was an old standard card i loved when i first fell in love with in soul artifact now, now you've got eight thops yeah eight thops so yeah long story short like I, i'll be shocked if this is constructive playable but i just wanted to vocalize the fact that i saw this card and it kind of made the johnny and me pleased i mean that's all it really matters dan speaking of the johnny and me being pleased we've got sarkin soul of flame one blue red for a legendary human shaman two four you know what i like about all these cards dan is that they all have legitimate bodies by and large you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they're all surviving stomps shocks things like that so like in pioneer especially I think like a lot of these multicolored cards with cool abilities are going to stay in the battlefield more often than they would have in if they were you know slightly st- status slightly less but i'll go on dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast whenever a dragon etbs under your control you may have sarkin soul of flame become a copy of it until end of turn except its name is sarkin soul of flame and it's legendary in addition to its other types two four so when it becomes a copy of that dragon it's no longer a two four right like if it's, no, it's just it's just that dragon it, my friend if it's sprite dragon it's a one one yeah so this seems really good i mean it's not like outrageous but it's like it's three mana it reduces the cost of all your other cards well, all the other dragon cards gives all your dragons pseudo haste so it's just like hey like you you cast this it's gonna survive it's a two four like you're gonna have to have certain kinds of removal to get rid of it uh, i mean of course that removal does exist but it's a perfectly fine statted body then you untap with it and you're like hey i can cast a five drop dragon on turn four and it has haste even if it doesn't already have it or you get two of them you get two you know you have a a, lots of your five mana dragons are hasty and then you just have two of them coming in with sarkin and it you know you probably are getting like some cool attack trigger or something like that and i think this is really good like I, i think that the floor is totally fine and I think the ceiling is really good. And I think like Is It Dragons gives you a lot of options. Like, right? It's like I don't think you're because dragons are so heavily into red 
And, you know, we see it sometimes stretch into Rakdos or like five color if you're really greedy or something like that. But I think is it is a perfectly fine place for for is it to kind of be excuse me for dragons to be based out of. And then you just go to town with your Sark and Soul of Flame. Like, I think it's cool. So that got me thinking this templating. It becomes a copy of it, except its name is Sarkin and it's legendary. So let's say you play like one of the, uh, let's say you play a legendary dragon. It doesn't conflict with legend rule. So you don't have to like sack the other legend. Because yeah, because like, yeah, there's no, it's, 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 it's not a legendary, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a legendary dragon of its name. It's a legendary creature named Sarkin Soul of Flame. So yeah, yeah, that's, that is neat. That is neat. Imagine this with like a couple glory bringers into it. Yeah. I mean like even, yeah, like I said, like you just, you just get a lot, you get a lot here. Like I, because, because dragons have all of those, like four and five mana dragons specifically have a lot of those really good uh, attack or connect triggers. Do you know what I mean? Or if you have like, you know, those, what's that, that new like flip enchantment where it's like every time a dragon attacks, you know what I mean? Like you get something going on. So I think like this could just stack really aggressively and I think it's good. Like, like, let's say this was even a two, three, like you might be hearing me say like, oh, well, you know, it's two, three, like it's not, you know, it might die to like three, three damage removal, but like just being a, a four toughness creature, I think does a lot for you here. Yeah. Interesting pick Shane. I would not have, I, I thought it was, I thought that it was too fringy but you got me realizing that there's like it's interesting that it was designed in a way to actually make it i think potentially playable for sure good work okay here's one samut vizier of anactamoon god these places you know you haven't been to noctamoon i mean i spent a lot of time on amonkhet i don't remember even hearing about noctamoon but maybe i just missed the signs Samut is one red-green for a 2-3 legendary human warrior cleric. It has first strike, vigilance, and haste. I like all those things. Yeah. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, if that creature entered the battlefield this turn, draw a card. So that checks, that procs on this because this has haste. It's it's basically whenever any creature deals damage to a player, the turn it entered. But the other thing that got me thinking is that this seems to like have a powerful one-two punch with Reckless Storm Chaser, specifically, because that too gives creatures haste whenever you want. Made me wonder whether you could play this in a gruel strategy with or without boats, just pairing it with Storm Chaser and if not other hasty creatures, like other creatures that have really good attack triggers, which then lets you draw a bunch of cards, obviously it's going to beat down as well. Yeah. Why not? It's cool. I mean, I think that there's, it It definitely snowballs pretty well. I think it's like a little understated, but I think that if you're playing in a deck where it's like, there's a lot of creatures there swinging in, then it kind of stretches your opponent's defenses a little bit. Cause you're like, well, I don't really want Sama to survive, but I also don't want all these other things dealing damage to me. So it might just sort of add to the ability of uh, the deck to close. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, I don't want anything hitting. Uh, if it, if every, if anything does connect, then like you're really pulling ahead by drawing like you know one, two, three cards, something like that. I mean, the real thing is they have to ETB this turn, so that's the tough spot. 
Right. That that's why like it essentially has to be in a deck either full of hasters or have like plenty of ways to make haste. Yeah, I mean like you could live the dream where it's like uh burning tree emissary, burning tree emissary, uh that, that one goblin bushwhacker. bushwhacker. Reckless bushwhacker. I mean, but then like you're already doing well if you're doing that type thing, so it's like you don't really need some oot. Yeah, I mean the reason why I think this was worthy of mentioning even in the first place is the fact that like it's drawing you cards in gruel and a gruel beaton strategy runs out of gas so quickly that having yep. like a way to do that that's on plan seemed worth paying attention to yeah it doesn't require you like rummaging or anything like that it's just strictly draw a card which is nice so yeah yeah there you go not, not don't hate it okay so that those are the cards that we were most excited about I think there's, maybe. there's some fringy stuff, maybe, like, you know, yeah, Dranith Ruins, maybe, like, can do something in scales, you mentioned, and I, I mean, I thought about that, too, I was like, maybe it's a little slow, but, you know, it's it's a land that puts counters on things. Yeah, Dranith Ruins is interesting, because if scales is out, it puts three counters on things, but... Oh, yeah. We'll see. This will be an exciting set for Sleep, Believe, Heave. Like, I, I, I even though we kind of hate it on principle, these cards are... are fun and exciting in an innocent way i'm kind of surprised you think we're going to have something for like a sleep leave heath on this like i you we i think we went into the set when we were kind of talking about it in the intro just being like there's some stuff that's on the bubble and then as the more we talked about it the more i think that there's some push here like i think there's some there's some strong stuff i think there's As I'm saying this, my co-host is wiping his brow with a Union Jack napkin. Or is that a bandana? It's a hanky. Oh, okay. It's a hanky. So, enough on that. Stan, I think we'll I think we will see something happen with these cards. I think that there's going to be some cool stuff. I think that, you know, it it's, weirdly it gets my brain brewing, which is rare. So I'm curious, you know, when we talk to Devin soon, if he has any ideas for any of these cards and thinks what uh, has some ideas for maybe things in dragons or elsewhere. So I'm I'm hyped. Yeah, there better be sleep believe heave content cuz we got to make podcasts about something. Oh man. I keep forgetting we have to do that every week. We got to make one of these podcasts. <laughs> How does it keep happening? How does time keep marching on? Speaking of marching on, Lord of the Rings spoilers are going to slowly continue trickling in for some reason. They can't give us a normal spoiler season on this. Yeah. So I believe the normal spoiler season kicks off the last week of May. If if I understand certain like press announcements that I've received correctly. Oh, certain press announcements, Stanislav. Pe- people, people I know were telling me things, but... Until we get the proper spoilers, we're I guess we're just getting this slow drip. Maybe it's to build excitement among non-magic players. I mean, how are they getting this news? Like, are like, is there like a you know some kid on the corner being like, extra, extra? We know what "Tempted by the Ring" means. Yeah, or maybe there's a Lord of the Rings I I R I R C I R Q. Uh, yeah, I C Q. ICQ, what was the name of that chat? Get at me, ICQ, 222-0289. Yeah, IRC, which is like Discord effectively, like kind of made a lot better Mm. in a lot of ways. Right, but the ring tempts you. We know what that means. It's a a real thing. It's a real thing. We have have the card. So we know what being tempted by the ring means. That's new. We have a few new cards that I think are somewhat overlookable besides one that is definitely pushed to play that we'll talk about. So let's, let's quickly talk. Well, we can't quickly talk because it's like 5,000 words. Yeah. It's about, it's about uh, as long as a Tolkien novel. Am I right? <laughs> my guy. So this is vaguely like a Lord of the Rings dungeon. 
right? Yeah. Like it's sort of like what happens is when the as the ring tempts you, you get this emblem and it's named the ring. And if, if you don't already have the ring, then the emblem gains its next ability of which there are four and you choose a creature you control to become or remain your ring bearer. So the ring can tempt you even if you don't control the creature. It just sort of moves down the, the ring steps of its dungeon. It gains the ability in order from top to bottom. So it sort of stacks these abilities. And we'll talk about what those abilities are in a second. Um, each time the ring tempts you, you have to choose a creature if you control one. And you can only have one ring and one ring bearer at a time. So that's not too hard. Basically, if you have a creature and you get tempted, you have to choose a ring bearer. And each time you get tempted, your ring emblem moves, it basically levels up. So there are four levels and that's it. That's what happens. So let's read these abilities. And I'll start with the first one. Uh, the first thing that happens when you get tempted by the ring on your ring emblem, it says your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power, which I believe is Skulk. Why not just say, everyone knows Skulk. Yeah, so anyway, can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. That's it. Yeah, so the ring bearer being legendary is interesting. Does that mean, let's say you put the, you make your ring bearer Llanowar Elves, you can't play more Llanowar Elves? Yeah, it sounds like it. That's odd. So that that's like our first and only drawback. I think like there's like, as we'll go through this, you will, we will notice that this is, these are all sort of good things to have, but uh, that's like the one and only drawback I can think of. If that's how it works, maybe, maybe you can because other Llanowar elves aren't legendary. No, I think it goes by the name. Like, so yeah. but maybe you're right. If they're, if they don't say legendary creature, but I think legendary refers to the name. We, we are having a lot of rules questions that we don't know the answer to. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sure people in the know are shouting at their podcast players right now. Cool. We're only human. All right. So the next ability when the ring tempts you is whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card. So you just loot. That's good. That's a, it's an attacking loot trigger. Sure. Okay. Fine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing seems fine. That's nothing game breaking here. I don't have too much to say about it. Do you? It's an ability. I'm not going to yeah. dither over abilities. Whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it, it at end of combat. So it kind of gives it like a death touch effect, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Seems good. Yeah. And what's neat about that as well is that it beats indestructible. It's a sack. Oh, very cool. I like that a lot. And then also, you know, it can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. So, I mean, I don't know what exactly that does because like... So let's say you have like a chump blocker that's got a big butt. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. So your walls deck is not going to be super happy to see this. Sorry, walls players. You burnt. <laughs> What's our final level four ability of the ring? We get tempted a lot. Whenever your ring bear deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. Oh, okay. That seems fine. Yeah. So, so at minimum, your ring bear is dealing four damage yeah. when it attacks at minimum. So yeah, this is all like fine. Like this is this is all fine. And that okay, and that and that's it. Once your ring is there, it does not gain any more levels or anything like that. So Yeah, nor does it lose abilities. You just kind of you've built it up to its max power. All the elvish text on the ring is glowing red 
like the fires of Mordor. And it's an emblem. It's like, it's not an artifact. So like you just sort of like leveled up this emblem and your opponent can't really do anything about it as far as I know. And so if, if ever you are tempted by the ring again, then you sort of can slap the ring on to your ring bearer. Um, you know, or maybe there's some like e- some ETB where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think the only way to become a ring bearer is to be tempted by the ring. So I don't think like you could, there's probably, I mean, unless there's some other text on cards where it's like, if, if there are no ring bearers, you now bear the ring or something like right. that. But I'm going to guess yeah. it just says you're, you're tempted by the ring. Right. That makes sense. I don't have anything it, to say about this. Yeah. I mean, I think we judge this. Well, eventually we'll probably just have to judge this ability based on the quality of like temptation cards. 100%. Because, I mean, it's kind of like traversing through the dungeon, right? Where yeah. you're going to have to have some ability to... You're going to have to some reason to go through the... You know, advance your ring up to be tempted by the ring. Yeah. And the cards I think we've seen so far, like the early spoilers of like, you know, Sam and, you know, some version of Frodo and things like that uh, are not ridiculously over the top in any way, shape, or form. Right. I think Gollum also tempts you. No, Gollum certainly does. There is one card... <laughs> There is one card, Call of the Ring, uh, that got revealed as well. It's a one in a black enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, the ring tempts you. So this does kind of churn your through churn churn you through your ring levels. So there's more. Keep <laughs> yeah, keep keep reading the card that you interrupted me from. When I was reading. Thank you, Stanislav. Whenever, Sorry, I just thought you were already adding color commentary, no. but I wanted to. Whenever you whenever you choose a creature's ring bearer, which would happen at every upkeep because the ring is tempting you and you can reassign the ring bearer. You may yes. pay, t- you may pay two life if you do draw a card. So you just like, you know, a, a very, uh, black card draw effect where, you know, you can, you can reassign the ring, you can pay two life and you draw a card. I don't think this is like worth the cardboard, but I think that there is, there's some option. I mean, the thing that happens here is you get tempted constantly. So that's good. Because you don't have to keep playing other cards that have the ring tempt you. But is this really worth the cost? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the cost being two mana and a card in your deck. I guess those are the costs we refer to. I I think that you can potentially, if you have other ways to tempt yourself in a turn, like you could be paying four, six life, drawing two, three cards a turn. So... Oh, I mean, like if you keep reassigning it, if you yeah, if you play another card that's like the ring tempts you, you choose another creature as a ring bearer, etc. Yes. Et I mean that's a lot of life to pay, but you you would need multiple creatures out. Um, but your death shadow keeps it growing. <laughs> Good point. This is going to my my modern death shadow deck. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you haven't played that in a while, Shannon. I keep telling you that the tech is there. The tech, the tech is now there. Call the ring. There was another card that was spoiled yes. that we we actually thought was more worthwhile. Yes, it, that's delighted halfling. People single, people are talking about this one. People be talking. People be talking. Delighted halfling, single green for a one-two halfling citizen rare. It can tap to add colorless, or it could tap to add one mana of any color. But you may only spend this to cast a legendary spell, and that spell can't be countered yep wow wow we wow yeah people seemed like you know doing the eyes emoji on this pretty quickly and they're like oh my goodness like i like so i think the most important thing that people are noticing about this is that it's the only one mana dork besides gilded goose that survives ren and six 
So you can play this on turn one. Your opponent plays a Ren and Six on turn two. They can't just immediately get it off the board. So there's some value there. Um, but there's also legendary spells that you're going to want to cast with this potentially, like Planeswalkers, uh, like legendary creatures, things like that. Those are the kind of the primary ones people are looking at. And immediately people's minds, for whatever reason, are going to like uncounterable Teferi Time Raveler. That does mm-hmm. that does stretch you into a Bant deck. You know, you're doing green, white, blue things. It's not unheard of. I mean, we have four and five color Omnath decks already. And that's where I think people are seeing this. It's like Omnath value piles. So things like, I mean, Delighted Halfling also can just trade with Ragavan because it has power. So it's like a one, two. So it has ability just there where it's just like, hey, you're not getting your Ragavan benefit. You can't swing into me. You have to kill this Halfling to, to swing in. I've seen people mention like Yogmoth. I don't think that you can cast enough of the deck with the legendary spell clause on the Halfling. I mean, it does add colorless, which is fine. What do you think? Before I get into like my pros and cons on this. Yeah. It's actually really hard for me to evaluate this card. Like mana dorks, I think are just so utilitarian that when they see play, it's for like good reasons, but they're not that interesting for me to analyze in depth. Yeah, exactly. If this sees play, like I won't be shocked. If it doesn't see play, it'll be just yet another like somewhat situational mana dork that didn't quite make the cut. Yeah, I think I think people have been since the decline of like noble hierarch. Like since the since something like noble hierarch and like you remember what what we talked about like ignoble hierarch. Remember people were yeah. amped about yeah ignoble, myself included right and. I think that people forgot like how hard it is to get a a mana dork into your deck that is worth you know, the downside. Like is it's worth like the bad top deck? Like how important is ramp? You know these days. You know it doesn't need to survive uh, point removal. Like this this is harder for Fury to kill for value because it takes two of the pings from Fury, but it's still perfectly doable for an early fury you know evoked or something like that so it's just like the the days of mana dorks giving you consistent value in modern are a little bit over right i think Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. this one might be good enough in a in a deck like you know four or five color omnath stuff where it's like hey i'm i'm quickly getting out ahead i'm getting my omnath down i'm getting my teferi three down I think people are really living in fear of Teferi 3, people like us, like Cascaders, you know, people who play Glimpse and Rhinos and Living End and like, oh man, how am I going to deal with an uncounterable Teferi 3? Like, I can't force of negation this. I can't mystical dispute this. But I'm not overly concerned about that because then my opponent is playing a Deleted Halfling in their deck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, there's always the 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 issue of yeah i'm advancing my mana but i'm also playing a mana dork it's it's modern beyond mana dorks like is that just what ren and six is for now yeah that i mean that's what i'm kind of what i'm saying right is like is is the i mean we do see the advantage of playing something like gemstone caverns in like our cascade decks right where it's like yeah it's it's so good 
when you have, when you're a turn ahead on a, on a deck like that. But in terms of like a value oriented deck, I don't think we're seeing like people trying to figure out a way to play like Llanowar Elves or Elvish Mystic in their deck simply because they can. Like it's not like, it's not worth it. So like is, so basically what I'm looking at here is like, is Delighted Halfling worth my time if I am playing like a four color value deck when like just simply because it makes something uncounterable? And yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I wonder if we need to go to the well of other legendary spells that aren't walkers, like that cycle from Dominaria of legendary sorceries even. You know what I mean? And they're probably overpriced, and that's, I suspect, why they don't see play, but maybe you mitigate that a little bit with a mana dork. Yeah, I think people might be overly concerned about this uh, myself, but I think that's an interesting dork and we have a ton more cards left in Lord of the Rings. So oh, yeah. I think it's it's premature to kind of poo-poo uh, the, the ring stuff. Like, I don't think we did, but I think that, you know, is the payoff worth being tempted by the ring? I think we, we got a lot left on this one, and maybe some cards will will sniff modern play. We didn't talk about the, the Gandalf that got spoiled. That's somewhat interesting. And we will have more about to talk about, I think, as the cards continue to be revealed. Nice. Whew, we but, did it. Yeah, we, we got it. We got to get you out of here. You've got some dinner to go to. Yeah, but um, I've got a couple minutes. We Ooh. did tease a wind down, didn't we? We, we didn't did. say what it was though. What is it? How about how about just to add sixty to one hundred twenty seconds of content? Perfect. That's all I need. Should we crack a booster pack? Oh, is that a march of the machine? Yeah. Crack a pack. Crack a pack. So while cracking this pack, I'll tell you, Shane, I have been drafting this set a lot. In paper or uh, online? Online. Okay. You're not, you're not hanging out don't... with your, your fellow Mancunians cracking packs? No, I don't know where to draft in Manchester. Maybe there's like a special night of the week where you can. 1-1 one, one blue red elemental token. But yeah, so I've been crack. I've been drafting this set a lot. I've really, really liked it. And as we go through the, these cards, I'll talk about like what are maybe good cards for limited how about that? Sweet. Or at least, at least from what I play yeah, in the me, deck. Give me some like context, my friend. I'll tell you, when I'm drafting, I really like drafting white. Um, I think white goes really deep. It pairs well with blue, with green, and with red. Um, you don't have to draft white. Like the blue-black deck also actually seems awesome, but I've just had a lot of fun drafting white. First first card of the pack is Infected Defector, though. Not worth mentioning. Uh, War Historian, just a stupid human monk with reach. Who cares? How do you know it's stupid? For, um, it's I've a tried playing with it. It, it does nothing. Um, furtive analyst, a human wizard, skippable. Hanger scrounger, a dwarf pilot with backup. I'm not going to talk about the card, but I will say backup is a really cool aggressive mechanic. Oh, yeah. Backup seems really good. Backup seems like what Mentor wanted. Like, you know, I don't know if you played much with Mentor. Like, how do you feel about How do you feel backup compares to Mentor and Limited? I don't... So, oh, so Mentor, was that from, like, Crimson Vow? No, Mentor was, like, that's older. It's, like, if if the creature with Mentor has more power than another creature, you add a 1-1 counter to the creature with less power. Yeah, I, I don't think I drafted that set, okay. whatever that set was. I, what set was that, actually? Don't remember. I don't remember. Guilds of Ravnica. But oh, I remember drafting it. Yeah, I remember drafting Guilds of Ravnica a bit. No, actually, no, I didn't. I was playing like standard at the time. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, have, no com I have no comments about Mentor. But I will say the last aggressive mechanic that I liked as much as I like backup was called Exert. Oh, Exert's I think this good. is the, be I mean, I think this is the best. 
like for for my money, this is the best aggro mechanic since like Zerg. Sweet. Gloomfang Mauler, it's a nightmare. Not worth talking about. Moment of truth. Don't care. Etched host Doomringer, whatever. Elvish Vat Keeper. Uh have not played with Keeper it. Throw the Vat. Um Storm the Seed Core. Little little expensive. Alright, we got to our first rare, and this is actually a good first card. Rare. First rare, Sunfall. It's that five mana exile all creatures. Oh, is, this, is this a booster? Is this a is this a draft booster or is this a set booster? It's a draft booster, okay. but you have it could rares. have more than one rare. Ooh. It could, yeah. Okay, go ahead. What is this again? It's exile all creatures. Incub- incubate X, where X is the number oh. of creatures exiled this way. Oh, a perfect limited card, right? You, you want you want your wrath unlimited. Yeah, it's it's killer. It leaves behind a body. Incubate's a really cool mechanic because there's enough ways to like either flip your incubate tokens um for free or you can just flip them at instant speed which is something that doesn't come up in constructed i I don't think we've ever seen any incubate cards in any formats that we pay attention to but that's like an an added little detail to incubate that wasn't obvious to me at spoiler season that actually made them a little more popular or powerful and limited than I may have anticipated. All right, we have another uncommon Nizumi Freewheeler to Rat Samurai. Uh, our second uncommon is Invasion of Xerix. It's the blue-white invasion. When it enters a battlefield, return up to one target creature to its owner's hand. It has four defense and it flips into an angel knight. Okay. How do you, how do those battles feel, by the way? Like, how have battles felt? Um, they are interesting but hard to play. Yeah, like, makes sense. So, some, sometimes they will like, completely swing a game, um, and you have to a- attack into them because they leave behind like a really powerful body, including, but not limited like to, yeah, like your, your body could be on the back of a battle. Invasion of Xerix, it bounces a creature back, but the backside is an, a flying angel knight whose power and toughness is equal to the number of creatures you control. The fact this is a flying creature that scales up and can just like get through a board stall makes this a battle that I would probably consider flipping into. I do generally prefer to attack battles earlier in the game than later in the game because if I feel like the kill is within striking distance, I'd rather go for that. Yeah, exactly. But um, battles have been have been fun. There are some that I'll just about never draft. But um, in general, like the front sides tend to actually be, I think, like playable enough that they can be good, even if you're not going to flip into them. Sometimes battles can be good. Um, all right. So we got our legend that comes in every pack. It's Shanna Sisei's Legacy. It's an uncommon legend that also gets plus one, plus one for each creature you control. It has pseudo hexproof. Um, we we have another how, legend. How many cards are in this pack? There's so many. This is why I was like, we got our first rare. We only have one rare, but we got another legend. It's Rada Coalition Warlord. Great frame. Oh, it looks good. Area card. That's nice. It's, it's, a, it's a domain card. Looking good. Looking good. And then we have this full art swamp. Oh, nice looking swamp. It doesn't look like a swamp. It looks like a city. Remember when full art cards were full art lands were novel? <laughs> I do remember. I They're still have my Zendikar lands. Good for you. Are are they worth anything? Oh no, but they look. I still like them a lot. I still play them yeah. when I need like when I need like thirteen islands. Like I play, I play like my my nice Zendikar islands and stuff like that. Yeah. So there we go. We cracked a pack. I think we're ready to wrap up the show. Yeah, I'll just drop. I'll, I'll drop a little tease. 
I'm, I'm working on a new YouTube video just for YouTube of like a full on crack packathon with a special guest <sighs> of a, f- a friend of the show we haven't had on in a while, oh, but someone who, uh, someone who I really love, admire, and I'm excited to collab with. Oh yeah. I'm, I know who it is and I'm, I'm apt for it too. I really like, I like them as well. They're a great, great person. In any case, Shane, we did it. I, I mean, I didn't think we had an episode. And then <laughs> it's true. Shane did not think we had an episode. And then we're cutting ourselves off. And here we are talking as we always do. So I got to run. I got to go get a Sunday roast. Heck yeah. I'm going to go have some, some meat and potatoes, but it does wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episode as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question or just reach out in general, you can tweet us at the dive down all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com. You should reach out if you feel like leaving a negative review for us. Just just reach out to us first. Let's talk before you affect our star rating. <laughs> if you got something to say, let us know. I think that's a fair compromise, right? We want you to be heard. We just don't want anyone else to hear from you. If you want to support us, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also support us through our store at the divedown.com slash store. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the Dive Down. If you sign up for Mana Traders using promo code the Dive Down 2023, all one word, you'll get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Also get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using promo code the Dive Down 2023 for 15% off your first order. And save some money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming with code Dive8 for 8% off your order from NRG. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and after man.